did you do the work? And if the answer is no, then I say, okay, well then let's go back. Do you believe it's possible for you to do the work? This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphonse. Mikhail Alphonse. What is up, you lovely listener? I am beyond ecstatic for today's episode. Our guest today studied kinesiology and exercise science at Gonzaga University while representing the Bulldogs as a Pac-10 athlete on their baseball team. After a short stint in minor league baseball playing for the Bakersfield Blaze and the Visalia Oaks, he co-founded his first company in 2008, helping individuals better manage their finances. In 2015, it marked the beginning of his career in real estate with Keller Williams, where today he's the chief productivity officer of branches in Covina and Valencia. His passion for helping individuals design their career through strategic systems and tools has helped his team achieve over $100 million in sales in this year alone. And as if that's not enough, he's also the founder of Optimal Self, where he leverages his experiences as a professional athlete, an entrepreneur, and a business coach to help people achieve at the highest levels. Before I speak too much, please join me in welcoming Jeremy Herder onto the show. How are you doing, Jeremy? Oh my goodness. I want to meet that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you did all those things, which is cool. I, I know. When you hear somebody else say it about <laughs> you, it's 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 all, it's super surreal. And that's cool. Yeah, uh, man. Thank you, be- you. I'm so excited to be here. You know, you and I have been talking about this for a while. So I know you're a busy dude. I'm glad that you're here in Irv well, Orange County for a little bit. Where do you where do you typically like go around? You have offices in Valencia and Covina, you're here in Irvine, but like where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in the Antelope Valley, Lancaster, California. So mm. a little bit north of there in the high desert. Yeah. Uh, I went to high school. Uh, I went to high school at Antelope Valley High School, played baseball, football, wrestling, and then uh, left there to go on to play college baseball yeah. and, and later. Baseball, football, and wrestling. As a, as a, as a high schooler. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I was a better wrestler than any other sport. What was it about baseball that you stuck with that? It had the only future in to be an athlete. <laughs> Wrestling was with the Olympics, and yeah. there wasn't much else. Football wasn't nearly big enough, fast enough, or strong enough to to compete at that level. It was just something that I I enjoyed. I mean, I, I love I love all sports. To be honest with you, let's get outside, let's play. If it has a ball and a bat, or you know, we get to run around. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. You know what's great is like after. Um, almost a year of doing the Orange County Founders Group with you. And to the listener, it's a small group of entrepreneurs that get together in Orange County. We share strategies and things. We've never really been able to like sit down and talk about like who you are and where you come from, which is a perfect like segue into my always first question of okay. what were you like in high school? <laughs> Other than like kicking people's asses in every fucking, no, <laughs> in, you in know, every sport possible. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's, what's funny is I wasn't, I was a late bloomer. Uh, I was a very, very little kid. Uh, meaning, I, I mean, I grew two and a half inches and gained like 20 pounds after high school. So we can go back even a little bit more, you know, as a child, I love the games, but I was never the best kid. Like I, I didn't make never all, the best like athlete or anything. No, I didn't mm. make all-star teams. I wasn't the kid that was getting picked. I mean, I, I just love to play. I just loved the competition. I loved being in it, but I was never the best kid ever. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a here's a great story kind of segue into into me I guess is I want to say I was 13 years old and I mean baseball was still like I mean my mom will tell you like she, I used to go to Dodger games with my with my grandfather on the on the Elks Lodge bus you know in my uniform you know so since I was three years old and could talk or walk, I used to tell people I was going to be a pro baseball player. Like that was it. Like there wasn't plan B. It wasn't like maybe it was just like, it was, it was inside of me Mm. even before maybe we make those real decisions. Right. And I'll tell you that one of the paradigm shifts or turning points in my life was that year I actually played very well. I thought I was going to make the all-star team. I thought it was like the first real shot that I had in and my best friend and I were on the same team and his dad was our coach and we won the league. And so the coach got to pick the last few people, the all-star teams, all the other coaches, you know, pick. So it's fair. How old were you at this point? I was 13. Okay. It was just, yeah. it was just going into, uh, so these the thoughts are like conscious grade. thoughts. Like these are real things at 13. I feel like I'm going to make this team. Like you have this sense of achievement and this is back before you got seventh place trophies. So like there's <laughs> winning and losing. There is winning and losing. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it was that moment. And so 
they announced the team and I, and I didn't get picked. And so we're at the little pizza party after, you know what I mean? All the kids go and the parent, you know what I mean? And the coach is standing next to me and, and I kind of tugged on his little shirt and I was like, and I asked him, I said, Hey, how come I didn't make it? And he looked me dead in the eyes. I'll never forget it. I just got chills right now thinking about it. And he said, you just weren't good enough. As a 13-year-old boy, right? Yeah, like, that's heavy. It can do one of two things, right? Like, and I'm not going to lie, I was crushed. Yeah. I was crushed. But I will tell you, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in the sense that, so my mom had dropped me off. So I went in, when then there were no cell phones back then. Yeah, right. I had to ask the, the pizza place if I could use their phone. And I called my mom and I said, you have to come pick me up. And she's like, no, you're supposed to stay the night, right? It's a sleepover. You're going to be fine. I said, please, I'm begging you, come pick me up. And she was like, what's going on? I said, I'll tell you when you get here. And I got in the car and I put my seatbelt, I, I started crying and she was like, what's wrong? And, and I said, I didn't make the all-star team. She's like, I know, but you know what I mean? There's going to be other years. And I said, no. And I, and I'm not going to, I don't use their names because it's not fair to them. But I, I said, I said, you know, coach, I asked him why, and he said I wasn't good enough. You know how moms are. Yeah. She's ready to, like, stop the car, <laughs> go in there, right? I'm going to give up. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. And she said, what? And I said, it's okay because I need to get better. And I said, can we please go to Big Five? We went to Big Five, and I said, will you buy me a tea? This is a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. To this day, to this day, I still have that tea. It travels with me. It's still with me. It's a sign to me because the one thing I said is, listen, you're right. I can't be taller. If I work hard, maybe I can get a little faster. If I work harder, maybe I can get a little stronger. But there's certain things that, that I'm genetically not going to be, right? But I will tell you this. In that moment, I said to my mom, I said, nobody is ever going to outwork me. Nobody's ever going to tell me again, I might not be good enough. That, that very well could be true. But it's not going to be from lack of effort. It's not going to be from me. And I went in the backyard that same day. We didn't have another game for, you know, however long the offseason is till you play again. Yeah. And I started hitting balls off the tee. Yeah. For, and I did it every single day. Wow. And fast forward, because I know we're going to get to that. But just so you know, every kid that made it. And he wasn't saying it bad, right? Only 15 kids make it. There's 80 kids in the league. It's he not like I'm the only on guy. It's just like, he's being honest. Yeah. How great would that be if we were that way with people today? Yeah. Not in a negative way, not that I'm putting you down, but if we just tell them the truth, did you say, no, you, you got to work harder, man. Like there's nothing, there's no overnight successes. Every single one of us has to put in the time, energy, effort, focus, on that thing, right? whatever that thing is for you. Mine happened to be, I really wanted to play baseball yeah. and I really wanted to be good at it. I can tell you, I, I still didn't make my dreams. I didn't spend 20 years in the big leagues and make the hall of fame like my brain thought I was, yeah. right? I took my talent and my, as far as it could possibly go. Sure. I got all the way there. I got paid to play. All those guys that were on, that made those teams, bought tickets to come watch games that I played in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were all better than me at 13. Right. They weren't better than me at 21, 22, 25. They weren't. It's because at some point that skill that you have as a kid or that talent, that's a big word that we use today, at some point it catches up. Did you end up getting like a scholarship to, to play baseball? I did. That's Got a probably a lot one. more than they could say too. None of them. Right. Not one. Which, it's not a competition, guys. But no. it's nice. It's no, good no, no, to no, show, no. see I what love good those work guys. Some yeah, of yeah, them yeah. are still my great friends today. And right. they're wonderful human beings, and they've done great things sure. in the world. Baseball just wasn't, you know what I mean? I mean, they didn't have a choice at 13. Your, kid, your dad or mom makes you go to practice. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't even them. I mean, they're still some of my best friends today. Yeah, it's, of course. It's, it's great. It's, That's it's so wonderful. amazing, though, that like, it's it's that moment is heavy. But I think what's even more interesting about that moment is your kind of self-awareness in that moment as well. Because I believe something similar happened to me. There was like when I was 
you know, I played baseball too. The only thing the coach ever told me was good eye because I was too square, scared to like swing, <laughs> swing. the bat. <laughs> right. But I think we made it to like the tournament of champions or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then I was working really hard in the practices and he's like, guess what? I'm going to start you. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, like it was a reward. I just played the first two innings though at the game. And then I realized like seventh inning comes up. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you didn't start me because I did better. You just didn't want me playing in the important part of the game. <laughs> the later part. But I cried about it. Yeah. I didn't say at that time. Sure. Like, I didn't think like, oh, I'm not good enough. That's why. And like, that's why that coach did that. It was like, I, I cried about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to, I want to be clear. I I definitely cried. I was definitely <laughs> crushed. But at the same time, I was so internally set that you're never going to tell me that again. At least I was going to at least give it everything I had, sure. you know, and, and I was at least going to push myself to the limit to say, even if I don't make an all-star team ever, if, even if I don't make it, it's not going to be because I didn't give every single thing. A good friend of mine, I was listening to him speak just the other day. And he said this, he said, I've never met an average person. I've only met average effort. Mm. And I was like, oh, that is gold. And that was, and it resonates deep with me is that we're all the same, man. Like there's nobody smarter. There's nobody, I mean, they just work at that thing differently than we Mm. have. And that was the same point. Like, have I put in the time effort or am I just showing up to that practice for an hour and a half on Wednesday? What I do Monday, what I do Tuesday, what I do, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when you start to realize like, wait a second, we got to earn the right for those yeah. things. We got to earn the right to be great. We got to earn the right to, to, to have this opportunity. It's not just given. Yeah. And the moment you realize that and the moment you go, oh, wait, no, you know what? I don't deserve to mean, make a million bucks because I haven't put in the time, energy, and effort it takes. Mm-hmm. And it's not about a comparison either because you might look at somebody else and go, oh, wait, they didn't do it either. Screw that. That doesn't matter. Right. It matters what you're doing. Ask yourself those questions. We got, that's the thing about life today and, and, and like the stuff we'll get into is we got to ask ourselves bigger questions. We got to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. We got to stop worrying about what, how somebody else, like ask yourself the questions and then and be honest. Right. And when, you can, when you start doing that, man, so after uh, Gonzaga, am I mm-hmm. saying that right? After Gonzaga, you Gonzaga. went Gonzaga. Zags. Zags. Yeah. yeah, the Zags. All right. So Zags. not the Bulldogs? They are the Bulldogs, but they go by the – but Zags is kind of like the thing. It's gone, right. It's the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The Bulldog is the mascot. But but when you're there, you're a Zag. Oh, okay. So. I like that. I like that. So you went directly into minor league baseball, so right? So I got – yeah. So I went to Gonzaga – does that um, not work the same way as like football where they no. have the big draft thing? You have to play minor leagues they, first, right? They, there is a draft just like football, just like basketball. The only difference between the NBA and NFL is you go straight to the NFL. You mm. go straight to the NBA. You don't go straight to Major League Baseball. You're, you go, everybody goes to the minor leagues. Everybody. Gotcha. So all the superstars you see today, all the Mike Trouts and Cody Bellingers and all the guys that you see winning the NBA, every one of those guys played in the minor leagues. Wow. But like Mike Trout was kind of young when he started like Yeah, so he off. came out of high school. So you can get drafted. Oh. At, you can get drafted in two ways. One, as you, after your senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And then, well, actually three ways. Because if you go to junior college, you're eligible to get drafted again right away. If you go to a four-year university, you cannot be drafted until after your junior year. I see. So that it makes you stay in school that time. Same thing with football. Football's the same way. You can't get drafted until after your third year in if you're at a uh, if you're at a major university. Mm, that's cool. Basketball's different. So when you got drafted, you played two or three seasons. How long did you? I st- I got drafted in uh, ninety six. I played ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Technically, I was on rosters all the way through two thousand. Mm-hmm. I didn't play in in uh, in those years because I was injured. But I was sure. technically still, yeah. So there's no stats or anything, but uh, I did read all your stats. Yeah. Although it looks like algebra to me. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I wish it was one of those moments where I was like a really big, like, or at least understood the numbers of baseball yeah. in that's in that spot. Yeah. So I could come and just like blow you away with everything right. I knew about that's like your baseball funny. career. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. No, I mean, I was a 
I was a platoon middle infielder, which means I played a little bit of second, a little bit of shortstop. Didn't hit great. I was very good defensively, and I was fast. So I stole bases. You know, I was like a leadoff hitter. I could bunt, that kind of thing. Didn't hit, you know, wasn't a big home run hitter or anything like that. So You said you got injured. And I did. Is that what stopped you from going to major leagues? Um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's that's what, I mean, it definitely hindered my growth and it took away my love. I will say this, when you get to that level, it's a job. I mean, your job's really cool because you get to go to a ballpark and, and play baseball games, right? And get paid. Yeah. It is still a business and they need to make money and they're trying to funnel people through, you know, there's a guy fighting for your job every single day. Right. So when I got injured, well, that year I was going to be in double A and in spring training, I dove for a ball, separated my shoulder. I got home. I, so I had eight weeks to figure some stuff out. I got home. So I grew up with a stepdad. My birth father's a drunk, alcoholic, mm-hmm. gone, never around really, you know. Um, so I grew up with a stepfather. Amazing, amazing man. Um, super grateful that that man was in, our, was in our lives. But And he got diagnosed with a brain tumor at the same time. So I didn't tell them I was sick and he didn't tell us he was sick. Mm. And you're talking about a man who owned his own business. He was a, he, uh, he owned a roofing company with his brother, which their uh, grandfather before them owned it. So long time in the city, like good businessman. And he's a man's man, hardworking yeah. man. And I didn't tell anybody I was injured. It was Easter Sunday. And so I drove home Easter Sunday Everybody was over, you know, doing Easter eggs at the fa- with, with at my grandparents' house. And I didn't know that because I didn't tell anybody because I was like, and so I came walking in with a sling on and he was standing there. And I was like, and he looks at me and I look at him. He goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you doing here? And that was the moment, like this look went on his face and I was like, oh shit, something's wrong. <laughs> like yeah. for real, something's wrong. And so- he didn't tell us at that moment. It was a couple of days later that he put me and my brothers in a car and we went for a drive to yeah. tell us that he has an inoperable brain tumor and it's like 80% chance of death within the next six months. Like it was, it was crazy. So that goes on your heart. That goes on your soul. The thought of, you know, and I'm sitting here injured trying to come back and it was kind of a combination, all of it more. I would tell you if I'm honest today, it's less the injury and more the mental side that that kind of gave in more so than the injury. Could I have came back from the injury and been 100% and played? Yes. Yeah. The mental side of it is where it started to break me down and because never got senior, just never got back to I see, I never got back to that passion. Seeing your stepdad in that like during this time it like did it put things into a different it's type of perspective for you? Huge perspective. And I had a little baby at the time. My my daughter was born and mm. you know, so yeah, it was a big perspective change. It was a big shift for me, for sure. Uh, yeah. And and to say, right, how long, how long am I going to grind this thing out? You know, and who, who knows what what's next. But like I said, I had a about a year and a half to to kind of figure it out. And I knew going back that that last year. I mean, I I, I just didn't even go back because I was like, yeah, I don't have it. I don't I don't have that fire for it anymore. You know, and it's like anything. What was that transition like from something that you had been essentially at this point been training 20 years for like to get to that moment <laughs> essentially and making the transition to a new career? Like, how did you deal with that? What were you feeling? Man, that's probably the, probably one of the biggest, the hardest parts of my life. And I'll say because it's who you are. It, it, like we have our own ideas, right? I was an athlete. I was a baseball player. Like, that's who I was. And now that was gone. Right. It was, it was gone. And I would still walk into grocery stores and see people and they'd be like, Oh, there's Jeremy, the baseball player, you know, because that's how everybody knew me. That's how I knew myself. Um, it was a, it was a very, it was a very hard transition. Uh, one, cause I didn't know what, what, what was going to be next. You know, I mean, I had, you know, my degree was kinesiology. I was going, I, I was looking at chiropractor school because I like the body. I like the health side of things. Like that stuff has always been, you know, really intriguing to me. I loved it. So that was an option for that whole year though. I did 
to truth, I did nothing. Mm. <laughs> like I, I hung out with my little girl. We went to the park a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dazed it. She just got married. So this is really cool talking to you about it right now is because it's kind of full circle for me is she just got married like two weeks ago. And, sure. uh, and now talking about those days, like I cherish those days so much, yeah. you know, is, is, but again, it was like, who are you? What am I going to do? Who am I? What is that next? What does this next chapter look like? And that's what led to real estate. What was that? Like, I know that it led to real estate, but it's like, I mean, I feel like there's this massive downswing. And for me, like that, you know, that would lead to sorts of depression and like coming out of that. So how did you start to like come out of it yourself? Was there, did somebody come talk to you? Was it books Um, that you read? Because at this point you, somewhere in between there, I feel like you lost your stepfather as well. Correct. We had, yeah. He, well, during that same time, uh, yeah. I mean, he was he was he was gone. Literally, that was February. He was gone in October. So it was that fast. Wow. Well, then I had that off season, and I was going to go back that following year because I was still under contract. I still had a mm-hmm. contract. That was the year that I just nothing happened. I was like, I can't do it. I just don't have the passion. I don't have it for it. And you're right. So yeah, we're there. There were definitely some dark days for Mm -hmm. sure. You do probably what a lot of people do, right? I had other buddies around. And so you start to pal around with some guys and, you know, (laughs) drink some beers, hang out. Like, I I mean, it, it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. I never really thought about this till right now, as you're saying that, but I ran into a buddy of mine that this kind of led to the, it, well, it did lead to to the real estate stuff, but he pulled up in those days, the hot car in those days was the seven series BMW. Like, cause it was the bigger one. It was like, it was like the show status was car. Was this 1999? <laughs> it, it was right around <laughs> then, yes. It was right, it was right around the end. Yeah, lo, late nineties into the, te- yeah, this is like the, the seven series was, and he pulls up in the seven series with a, thousand dollar Armani suit on. I'm like, what? And we were buddies. I was like, what are you doing? You know? And we yeah. started chatting, told me he's gotten into to mortgages and they're, they're flipping houses. They didn't call it flipping back then. It was renovating houses. There was no HGTV and Bravo and it wasn't a show on every channel. Like it was none of that stuff. Like right. it was no competition to be honest with you because nobody even knew what they were doing really. Right. right. They were just, they had some construction guys that were renovating some houses and uh, you know, around, Early 2000s is when it started getting good. Anyways, he is the guy on his seat was Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Mm. He literally reached in his car and handed it to me. He's like, yeah, man, read this. Because I was telling him, he's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, here he is on an Armani suit. I'm in board shorts and flip-flops with my little girl in tow coming out of, you know, Whole Foods, right? Like, just chilling. Like, there, wait, like, there's Whole Foods in 1999? Like, hey, bro, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> read this book <laughs> in the nicest possible way right and that was that kind of that that started my my path like reading like the personal development side and and watching people and saying oh wait hold on a second and basically what he was saying was look this is here's the commonalities of people that are doing great yeah. right from the industrial age to the, you know, like all these different things. It's like, all he was saying was, these, here's the commonalities, man. Yeah. And all of it w- comes back down to self-awareness, worth, hard work, like, you know what I mean? And, and, and putting the systems and things in place and, and, and taking action. And so, again, I, I read it. I called him. I was like, dude, this is amazing. And he's like, and I was like, if you guys need any help, I got some money laying around, right, from baseball days and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, that was the point where he was like, hey, he calls me about three months after that, I think it was, because he's like, hey, we have this deal. Would you be interested in taking a look at it? And so that's kind of how the real estate side got started. Right. And now something that I find incredible is that at the beginning of this year, when we started our OC Founders group, you said that you wanted to get a certain amount of commissions for your team Correct. through $100 million in sales. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in September you had already crushed that goal. No, we were at about 87 million in September. But then and the so commissions we, had exceeded what we, you wanted? The commissions had exceeded, correct. Yeah. Correct. Our well, goal which was is most million. important anyways. Yeah, our goal was <laughs> 2 million. Our goal was 2 million for 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 gross commission. Yeah. Um yeah, and we we have we have exceeded that. Yep. So, let's 
start from, I don't know, as somebody who does a lot of business development, I used to work in a boiler room, so I love the sales thing too. Yeah. When I used to play poker full-time, I don't like saying professionally because people think I was on TV. <laughs> when I played poker full-time, one of my mentors in the poker world told me that whether or not I win or lose in a session, it has to feel the same. Hmm. Meaning that I have to be playing you know, I have to be playing correctly. Correct. If I play correctly, then I can't really, I can't be upset about variance, right? In sales, it's very similar, in my opinion. Yeah. So what are some of the, like, sales tactics that you're teaching your team on a daily basis or you're coaching your team on on a daily basis that helps lead them to, like, 100 or 87 million in September? I'm sure you'll hit 100 million by the end of the year. Right. That sort of thing. What are some of those tactics that you're teaching them? I like that idea of of not of not wavering because then you know what I mean. It's the the things that we talk a lot that I talk a lot about with with all of my people is really is action. Everybody has a strength, and so we do a behavioral profile on everybody. So like a we, disc test, or a something? disc test. Uh -huh. yeah. Exactly that. Exactly what we use. Uh -huh. And through the disc profile, I validate it with them. I do that one-on-one -on -one with everybody who comes into organization. Everybody. Doesn't matter if you're a if you're a hundred million dollar producer, if you've never closed a deal, I still do it. Um, and the reason the reason is is because I want to get to know them. I think self-awareness is the key. There's a really cool Duke study um, from about four or five years ago that literally took like the top hundred CEOs in America and the number one commonality was a high level of self-awareness. Mm. And I believe that to be true is that we have to understand what our strengths are. And I'll kind of give you this in, in, the, in the real estate industry is this. It's a massive failure rate. 87%, National Association of Rental says 87% of everybody who gets a license is gone out of the business within three years. Mm. So nine out of 10 people get a license three years from now, do nothing with it or are gone out of the business. Yeah. That's a ridiculous failure ratio. But National Association, they want that to happen because they don't, they make all their money just on, on those dues up front and on the schooling and on the on, on you getting your license. Right, right. If you make two million, they don't make any more money off of you. Right. So they could care less. They just need to. That's why it's so easy to get a license. That's right. why everybody on earth knows probably a hundred realtors, right? Because <laughs> the cop that pulled you over has his license. The fireman that took care of your grandma has his like, like yeah. they, because it's the, it's the lowest barrier of entry of any profession in the United States of America to make the most amount of money anywhere. But the reason why I believe that failure ratio is so high is because they give everybody the same exact tactics, meaning here's your script, here's your phone. Let's start calling people and ask them if they want to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. Well, I think that that's a that's I think it's a joke. Number one, and you know today in, in the media side, like that doesn't work almost in anything anymore. Right? Like very few. I mean, there used to work years. It doesn't work today. So we take we go through the disc, we go through the behavior analysis, and from there, you and I sit down and go, okay, here are the things that say that make sense for your strengths, for who you are. Mm for your personality, for your behavioral style. My goal in life, when I get out of bed every single day, my goal in life is to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action so that they can be the best version of themselves. That is my mission statement to my, I write that every day when I journal and it keeps me focused on. So it's not for you to be the best realtor. It's not for you to make whatever. It's not for you to be what that that's not the point. It's for you to be the best version of you. Because mm -hmm. if I can help you do that, if we can, and it starts with belief. You notice I said that? Yeah. The only way to change behavior is through belief and action. You got to believe and you got to do some shit. <laughs> I don't even want to talk anymore. Can you just keep going? Because I love this shit. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well. But that's the truth, right? Like, yeah. if we want something different in our life, we have to behave differently, period. In order for me to behave differently, I've got to believe that that's even possible, first of all. And then I got to do something, action, to follow it. So what do we talk about in, with our group and with our people? That's what we talk about. I'll ask that question. Did you do the work? And if the answer is no, then I say, okay, well, then let's go back. Do you believe it's possible for you to do the work? Do you believe that you have it inside of you to be that person? Understand this. 
and I hope the people out there that, that get to hear this understand, because this is something that was very profound for me. Look, you need to have goals. You need to make goals. The goal is not it. The, the, the end of the day, making 20 sales calls or whatever, like that's not it. If you do it, who did you become in the process? Who did you become that day? And now let's, let's start stacking a few of those days on top of each other and let's see what happens, right? Yeah. You want to be fitter? Just like, I mean, I see your stuff. I love it, man. You're crushing it. I see the difference because I'm very fortunate that I get to see you in person. I get to yeah. see you on a monthly basis, if not sooner. I see the difference, right? And why is that happening? Because you're, you're taking action and you're stacking days on top of each other. There's a compound effect to that. The same thing goes in your life, everything in your life. So with my people, we look at it. Do they all show up with their numbers and it's perfect? No, of course not. They're mm. fucking human. We all yeah. are. But I can tell you this, if they don't, and there's days in a row that they don't, we go back to the belief system because something's, something's messed up there if you're not taking action. Right. So, so we've got to always dig deeper into what it is am I believing? What is the narrative that's going on in my head? What am I telling myself? So step one, self-evaluate, see what works for you. Correct. So it's bullshit to think that everybody needs to be on TikTok, which is what people in social media world are sure. talking about. That's what Something like that. Right now, right? And before that, it was Instagram. You did just fine without Instagram, by the way. And you very much don't <laughs> use your Instagram, as I found out, or <laughs> LinkedIn or any of those things. <laughs> you're, you're right. I mean, it would probably be better. That's why you know, getting closer to you. <laughs> and then step two, it sounds like it's belief and you have to believe that these things are possible. But like, how do you fix the person that straight up just doesn't believe that it's pot? Like, it, you know, do you run into that at all? I do. That's a great question because normally what happens there is it's something from earlier, right? They've had something go on in their life that has created that block. Is it easy to get over? Hell no, it's not. Please don't think it is. We start with very small things. I'll give you a great instance. I got to, I just signed this this kid. He's 24 years old. You can't do two weeks in a row with me without without getting close to your numbers. Sure. Without us having a sit down, like a come to Jesus talk. Because mm. I don't want to waste your time and I don't want you to waste mine. Right. Right. This may not be, I'm not telling you it's for everybody. <laughs> this may not be for you. Let's look at something else. I sat down with this kid, started asking questions. At first, he was really, really hesitant because I'm at, I'm because uh, I'm getting very personal. Tell me about your childhood. Mm. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. Like, like, and we got into some. You know, they divorced about his sophomore year in high school. Like, some really crazy stuff, right? And 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 I don't want to give all his details, but there's probably somebody. And you guys don't know who he is, so it's I guess it's not that big of a deal, but. Turns out his mom, he was very close with his mom. She ends up with a back injury. Now she's hooked on opiates and she's having a really, really tough time where like, you know, there's just no relationship anymore. This, that's the spot. And I mean, there's some crying, there's some emotion to it, sure. right? Allowing him that space to be there, allowing him to feel that and let him know, well, one, you're not alone. Like, I don't give a shit about us getting, a, I mean, I do care about the numbers. I care about, because if we hit those numbers, I know that everybody in our organization's life is better. That's the difference, right? I'll give you the, for instance, just to kind of give everybody the context, is this. Instead of his goal being, because the goal was for him, because we did his numbers mm -hmm. and what his goals were, was to hit 17, 17 contacts a day, okay? For the five days that he was going to work. That was his goal based on the numbers he wanted to hit. And we do a whole business plan and all that kind of stuff. So those are his numbers. And he wasn't even close. I mean, he was coming in with like three. How do you not hit 17 contacts? <laughs> Just on a phone? On the phone? They can be phone. It can be in person. You can do Popeyes. You can, I mean, a kid like that could go hold an open house and have 10 people walk in right there. Yeah, there's no reason, right? Right. Right. There, unless there's a serious block, block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something holding you back because you don't believe you're good enough, worthy enough, or that you have what it takes to, to do it. He's still with us last week or two weeks ago, I should say, instead of it being 17 contacts, because I said, okay, look, 
this is not happening, right? Like you're not going to, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and do it. I, I don't have some magic pill and I don't have some magic quote. I, you know, I can inspire the fuck out of you right now and you're going to open that door and leave and it's all going to go out the window. There's no such thing as motivation, right? Anybody on out there, everybody d- just get that shit out of your head. There is no such thing as motivation. There's a such thing as either action or no action, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't care how motivated you are. Like, yeah, there are days when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to the gym. But I tell you right now, nine out of 10 days, it's not that way. I have to drag my ass out to get there and get it going. Here's what I'm going to tell you. So this is a sales business. We got to sell houses. We got to, you know, but what we did is this, his goal for the, for the week was to get up at seven 30, to be at the gym by eight, And I don't even care what you do. I don't even care if you walk in the gym, sign in and walk out and don't do anything. You just have to go there. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) You'll love this. Three of the next seven days, he actually did that. Mm -hmm. He actually went to the gym. Twice he actually worked out. Once he just like walked on a treadmill. The other four days he did not. He came in and he had excuses for all four days. Right? (sighs) I don't love that. But. I, but here's, but it's like, oh, I needed a day off. Oh, I was really sore. Um, oh, that day I went to church with my dad. Like, you know, he, and so he's like giving me these excuses. <laughs> so I said, okay, hold on. What time did you go to church? Noon. Why couldn't you go to the gym at 730? <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Like, and now he doesn't have an answer. Yeah, right? Right. So, so we eliminated the excuses. I just want you to know, I, have, I wish we were on tape right now. I wish... I wish we were I on wish, tape. Or we gotta, I mean, I wish so we were. We got to move on, forward from 1995. I know. <laughs> this is now. This is today. I want to show you this. I want you to see this. Where This kid sent me his, look at six days in a row. So you can vouch for it. Yes. Six X's in a row. And he highlighted in blue light. And blue, he which highlighted is tight. him to say, check this out. Hell yeah. I'm doing it. Do you want to know this? What's up with Tuesday the 9th, bro? <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing. What I'm saying, though, is that he made the decision and the last three days on here, 17, he hit, he hit his contacts every single day. Wow. We didn't change anything with that. All we did was got up, got your brain going, got your mind going, got you win the first half hour of the day. We got him to win that half hour. And now his day is set up to win. So do you work out every morning? Every morning. Do you? Okay. So that's awesome. I do something. Do you I, believe I that it like it has to be in the morning? Some people are like, yo, I'm not a morning person. I'm a It's <laughs> like, okay. Like morning person doesn't have to be like, you know, 530 in the morning, but it could be, you know, if you wake up at eight, it could be at 830 in the morning, something like that. Do you believe that it has to be in the morning? I believe you have to do some form of movement. I don't believe you need to go to a gym. I don't believe you need to lift weights. I don't believe you need to go to yoga. Pilates. No, if you can, of course that's better. Yes. Mm. What I teach, again, in Optimal Self, principle three is called move. And in principle three, we literally say, I, have an, I, I give three, it's a three minute, no excuses workout. Like I have a lady that's like, I can't do it. I was like, do you go to the bathroom in the morning? She said, yes. And I said, great. Here's what you're going to do. You're going cl- to go to the bathroom. Then you're going to close the lid on your toilet. And you're going to literally set a timer for one minute. And you're just going to get on and off your toilet for, th- for one minute straight. That's it. This is amazing. Then you're going to go up against the wall. And, and you're going to do, uh, do you have a wall? Yes, I have. Okay, great. You're going to stand up straight. And you're going to turn your clock on and do one more minute. And you're just going to do push-ups straight on the wall. That's it. Yeah. Right? And then the next one, you're just going to do what we, you could do a jumping jack. Oh, no, my knees hurt. Okay, great. You're going to sidestep and throw your hands over your head for one minute. Three minutes, you just got on and off your toilet. You push up against the wall. And you. I was like, there's no excuse. And get this. Somebody like that, their heart rate, they're going to re- be releasing all kinds of great hormones. Their heart rate is going to get up. Their blood is going to start getting pumping. All those great things are going to happen. So no, I don't believe you have to go to the gym. I enjoy that, but you don't have to. Right. Just do something. And everybody has three minutes in the morning. Most of you out there, 
water in your fucking <laughs> bath. It takes three minutes just to heat up. Yeah. So turn that on and wait. Once the steam starts coming up, you can get in, but do something in between. Yeah. And I promise you, listen, there's so many great studies out there that show that the movement, physical movement, has such an effect on our brain, which the brain is the control center of everything we do in our lives. Everyone who's on this spot, every entrepreneur, every business owner, all like, you want to get going? Get your brain going, not your coffee, not your what. I mean, like really move just a little bit and watch what happens. Yeah. Stack a few of those days on top of each other and watch what happens. Yeah, it is pretty nuts, actually. I've noticed that particularly in like boxing because it was new movements that I was For doing. For sure. Oh, yeah. And like especially all these like ladder movements and all the stuff that like makes my brain work in mm -hmm. a different way. I think it feels good. I'm still waiting for like the million dollar payday, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. From the time you start, what I would do with that for you looking for those kind of things is look at your business and look when you started that. Not that they're directly, but watch what happens to the level of your business and what you're doing because as you start to create those opportunities for yourself, as far as the physicality goes, your creative side, that hemisphere gets better. Yeah. It does. Because when, when, when you start, the same thing goes. That's why, that's why journaling is so powerful as well. Do you journal also? I, every morning. Nice. Every single morning. Yeah. Even if it's just asking a few questions to myself. M mine is about... I don't call it journaling. I call it setting my intention. Like, I want to set my intention every single day. Yeah. So today on, on my journal, right, one of the questions I ask myself is, who out there needs me to be, for me to be on my A game? And you were the person I wrote. I nice. said, Mikhail, he deserves me at my best, right? So I better have my shit together. I better get to the gym. I better get my, I better be ready to go so that when I show up, you get me at 100%. So you, do you do that, like a similar thing? Like who needs me on their A-game today? Every day. Every day. I ask myself Gosh. that question every single That's such single an amazing day. question. Who needs me to be on my A-game today? And sometimes it's me. Sometimes you're going to say me. Like Jeremy needs Jeremy. Get your ass up. Like, yeah, I feel sure. like dealing with, especially people that are in sales, you get the most excuses out of these people ever. Uh, I was a dead lead. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? You ever watch The Boiler Room? I do. I love it. <laughs> a sale so happens good. either way. Either they close you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either right. you close them on stock or they close you on why they can't buy any. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, when you get, I'm sure, dozens of excuses every week, how do you handle them? Are we talking specifically to leads and that kind of stuff? Or no, like business? Just in life, actually. So okay. I feel like we can zoom out because now it's applicable to everybody. It right? is. Yeah. It is. It always comes back to me and the term that's like thrown around in our world today is mindset. Mm -hmm. And so, but I believe it's, I love the word. I, I like it, the idea of it, but in my world, it's belief. And, and so it always comes back to belief. Like if you believe that lead sucks, then that lead sucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Henry Ford said it right a hundred years ago. Like if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. Well, the same thing goes in the, in the, in in the excuse world, we're always justifying behavior. Our lives, everything that you do, you're always justifying behavior. And, and no matter what it is, good or bad. So if I can figure out what the justification is, why are you justifying that shitty behavior? Why? Did you really call that lead? Did you really nurture that lead? How many times did you call? What text messages went out? What was being said? Were you creating an opportunity for value? Because that's another thing I believe in that, that we miss a lot of times in, in even in our own lives. We do shit just to do shit. But what if you're really trying to provide value? What if you're really trying to, to, to give value to that situation, whatever the situation is? Mm. If you come from a, a contribution stage as opposed to just trying to be right or just trying to get shit done, like it's a whole different animal. And when I sit with people who are continually making excuses for why, I mean, come on, it's, it's really, why, they why can't the go market's to the gym. not good. Yeah, why yeah. I can't get to the gym. Why? Like they all have them. Yeah. We all, we all have them, me included. I'm not, yeah. I'm no different. I, yeah. I'm not immune to justifying my shitty behavior. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, I really needed that last glass of scotch, right? Yeah. Like I really, 
I mean, we all have it. So at the end of the day, to answer that question is we got to go back to their belief system and then we got to go back to what to the narrative that's justifying why it's not happening. And once we get to that, because usually once you get to the justification, they usually are like, okay, I got it. And they walk out. It's over. Like, I don't have to go any further. Because right. the more they can self-realize, and it's not me telling you anything, I very rarely do that. I mean, I've had people... I've had people walk out of my office very upset because I didn't give them the answer or I didn't tell them what to do. Right. I've had people actually quit our program because we're not telling them what to do. Right. And I, I'm not changing. I'm not, that's not what I'm going to do. Right. I am going to teach you how to fish. <laughs> if you don't go fishing, then it's on you. I know. They want some weird thing. They don't want to think. They. <laughs> they. <laughs> don't want to think of like what works for them or understand that a lot of that there are things that are variables. Like they want to hear you say that if you make 17 calls a day for 30 days, at the end of the 30th day, you're going to make $40,000. Right. Like they want that formula. And it's like, that's kind of like, that's not just, that's not how it works. Like, it's not. But you got to get started, right? <laughs> that's kind of just what it is. It's like, you kind of got to get started and then do a lot of, I feel like sometimes like get started and then just do as much as you possibly can toward that goal and then evaluate what actually worked and then what actually worked, do more of that thing. The nuances of that are endless. So it's hard to tell somebody like exactly what to do, right? Right. And that's why, I, I mean, I, I, I very rarely do. What I want to get to is, one, what you will do. Mm -hmm. What will you do? Because now I, now I can play. Now I can help you. So as in, in this context, like, you might not want to knock on a hundred doors, but you might send a hundred emails. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Cause there's definitely people. I have a lady right now that is crushing it. And on like our third meeting, which is one that like we have, we have three one-on-ones and by the third one is when they're finally ready to go. And, and then they get to, they get to play. Mm -hmm. Right. And in that meeting, she said to me, she's like, I just have to say this. It makes me ill to think of going door knocking. I said, great, never go door knocking. <laughs> She's like, but that's what I go. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't work. It absolutely works. But if it's going to keep you from doing something that you will do and can do, that's going to benefit your life and maybe give you enough contribution and value to somebody else that you can help them, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's no benefit to you and you're not going to be very good at it. Right. And that, and there's a, there is a, there is a skill to all of these things. You can get better at them with practice. You can get better, but nobody wakes up and is just a professional door knocker. Like <laughs> it takes it, it. I mean, there's some dialogue, there's some connection, there's sure. some rapport building. It makes me kind of sick thinking about that. And I consider myself to be relatively outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, there's certain things. I mean, cold calling was one of those things. And I remember a coach telling me and they, he was like, no, you have to do it. And I was like, man, maybe this just isn't for me. And I was already making six figures doing this yeah, job. Yeah. But I'm like, maybe if that's true, then maybe this isn't for me. Yeah. He, he was a really wonderful coach. I learned a ton from him. What he was saying was, look, try it. Make 10. And then if you don't like it or you can't, then we're done. Yeah. Like where today for me, because time is so much of the essence and we don't have that much of it, it's, it's, it is our most precious commodity. Right. There's no question because you spend it, it's gone. <laughs> You're not getting it back. You're not getting more. You're going to get the same 24 hours every single day. Like, and the truth is, what are, the, what are those hours in there that you're really, really putting time, energy, and effort into whatever it is that you love or right. whatever it is that's going to better your life, your family's life, your friend, whatever. Those, that time is very tight, very, very tight. And so, again, I just need you to be great for this small period of time per day. Mm. But I need you to be your great, not my great, not somebody else's great. I need you to be your great. It, it comes down and you were, you were hitting on it for a second, like, hey, do, just do that. Like, because you want to build momentum. Right. Right. When you say, 
yeah, is there a method to the madness? And could I, could I sit, when I sit down with people, do I know how many contacts it's going to take to get an appointment? How many appointments it's going to take to get a closing per closing based on average purchase price or how much money they're going to make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can figure that down to the dollar and I can figure it down to how many, you know, all those things. But you're right. It, does it mean like if it's a 17 to one ratio, right? For every 17 yeah. contacts, you're going to get an appointment and every appointment's going to lead to a $600,000 sale. It's going to lead to $18,000. Like, no, no. Those first 17 might lead nothing. And the next 17 might need nothing. And the next 17 might be nothing. And then the next four are all going to be good. Yep. Right? It's uh, it's it's that kind of thing. This just reminds me of poker in that variance. Like, in the variance, yeah, right. Dude, it's so bad. It's, <laughs> and that's exactly right. But that's the same point, right? It's like you still have to play true to the skill of the game. Because if you start to vary from the skill of the game, now you're going to miss the one that you should have won because you're starting to vary in your own. You know, that's that's what they're saying. So you've been at, you've been in this game for a while, right? Yep. Has the it, it seems like you're the type of person. I hate saying type of person. Why do I say that? It <laughs> seems like you put together. You have great habits, great strategies, a great plan of action, and doesn't seem like you have any problem taking action on that plan of action. However, have you ever put all those things together, the habits, the routines, the strategies, the plan of action, went for it, and then a year later, you realized you made no progress? I take that back because progress would probably I don't be think. Yeah, I'm going to say. Have no, you ever not never. achieved a goal that you had? Never. Is oh, the yeah. easiest way to do that? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Most goals I don't achieve. Mm. Most I don't. How do you deal with that? And can you like dive deeper into it? Yeah, uh, because the goal is not the goal. Once you... Because here's the thing, we have to, all of us, no matter what you're doing, we've, if you want your life to get better, you have to detach from the outcome. Expectation is terrible <laughs> because a lot of times, you know, when, when we're disappointed mm -hmm. in somebody, it's usually because we had an expectation of them. We thought they were going to do this, or we thought they were going to say that, or we thought they were going to be here at, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes they don't even know the expectation. So they didn't even know that they were supposed to live up to that expectation. Right. And so now we're, you know, and in, in our business and in our life, I know today, do I set goals? Absolutely. Because I need a target and I need a plan of action to hit that target. I will tell you that we don't hit the target that often because it's not about the target. It's about who we become in the process. I'll go back to baseball because since we touched on this is that me going out and hitting off that tee and taking hundreds of swings every single day, did that automatically translate that I was going to go four for four with a home run the next day in the game? No. Just, again, there's so many variables, right? Did that stop me because I didn't go four for four and I, then I took a, oh, that didn't work. No, I went back out and did it again and again right. and again and again. And here's what I learned is that it wasn't about the result of the game because that was going to take care of itself along the way. Cause still in baseball, if I fail three out of 10 times at the plate, I'm a freaking hall of famer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's seven times of failure that you're going to have to figure some shit out that right. you're like, okay, that didn't work. But in the scheme of this and with entrepreneurs and the business owners and the people that we're talking to today is set the goals, stretch yourself, but once it's there, don't worry about the goal. Worry about the daily action. Worry about compounding the daily actions on top of each other and worry about who do you become? Who do you become in the process? Because that's the identity that's going to take you further and further. Because again, our goal is 100 million. Our goal is over 2 million in commissions. Is it a failure if we hit 92 million? Is it a fail? I mean, we're already over 2 million in commissions, but if we didn't hit two, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, we only made 1.8 this year, right? Oh, poor you, right? Everyone's yeah. going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but at the same time, just like you said, if we don't hit the goal, we have to then reevaluate our system, reevaluate what we're doing and say, where can we get better? Because everything we can get better, every single thing, every single time. Every single thing that we do, and you don't, you didn't know this, but I have this in my notes right here to ask you after the, the, we're done. But I, th I think it's cool for everybody to hear it because uh -oh. they won't get to hear it. But the question is, what went well? 
and what could we have done better? That's how you and I are going to get better. We're going to leave this today better. Right. And when we're done and the mics are off, we're going to evaluate it and figure out like, where could we have gone? Where could we have been better? Because it can be better. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then what went well? Do you well? do that every time? Every meeting, every meeting that we have and every, and every sales meeting, everything that we do, every class that we teach, we, we do, wow. we do. And we go back Just and like we ask immediately after. It's called the debriefing is what I call it. They all know it. You're going to have, you're going to have a 10 minute debrief with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you what went well, boom, boom, boom. What, what could we have done better? What can mm-hmm. we change? You know, I mean, it's not always easy, right? To just, but, but what happens is this, is they start to get conditioned for it. That they already start to have the answers before, before we even get to the point. Cause they've done it so many times. It's all conditioning, but I need you to constantly be thinking about how we can get better. Cause it, there is no status quo. You're either growing or dying right fucking now. You're either growing or you're dying. You choose. So what is it going to be? You're a living organism, right? Are you sucking down a fucking diet Pepsi right now with, with a Big Mac? Or are you doing something that's going to grow you? Are, you? are you hydrating right so that your brain and so that two o'clock and three o'clock, you don't have the brain fog. You're not dying out. You're not ready to take a nap. What if you have a four o'clock appointment? Like I see you sometimes at seven o'clock at night for founders, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm not lying. I'm usually in bed by like eight, eight thirty. So Respect. on those days, Respect. those days, but I'm not going to come in there half cocked. I'm not going to come in there and, and yawning and, and, and not there. Cause I get so much value out of it. I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to miss a word, man. <laughs> so walking in there, the, the, we just had it, what, two weeks ago or yeah, whatever. Last week. When I got over to the door, when I knew I was at the right place, cause we had changed locations, I literally went over onto the side. And I did a hundred fucking jumping jacks. Really? Just to get my heart rate up, just so my blood was. I feel pumping. like you just kind of do a lot of jumping jacks. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- but it's it was seven o'clock at night. Yeah, right, right. Uh, right. I mean, it was dark. Right, it's getting yeah. dark early now, so it's even really you throwing wanna, that really circadian rhythm off. Yeah. Like I'm all jacked up in time, and I was, and I had, I didn't know where I was going, so it's dark, and I pull up, and I don't even know if I'm at the right spot. So there's all these other things going on that can derail one, me being at my best for you guys. And two, me being able to receive all the greatness that's coming out of that room. And I don't want to miss a second. So the only way is I need to refocus myself. And so I had to get, I have to get that going. And then once I felt it, I was like, okay, I'm good. Now I can roll in. You guys don't see it. My heart's going like I'm good, but I can come in. I can say, hello, I'm ready. And I'm, man, I'm spot on, dude. I was ready to roll that night. You yeah. Know? And you did just, a good job too. It was fun, man. I like that one. That was really good. That was fun. <laughs> it was really, there was so much good stuff. I brought a bunch of stuff back from, uh, back to, to, to our office from oh, that nice. night. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rad. I mean, the li- there's no context for the listeners. So mm-hmm. I do feel as actually that that's a good place to tell everybody that I think we have to do another one of these soon. Because there's so much that you've shared with us. There's so much that we can take from it. Like, I want to go fucking do some jumping jacks right now. (laughs) (laughs) But before I ask my last question of the day, Jeremy, um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Well, they can DM me on on Instagram, Jeremy Herder, but it's under baseball. Um, Baseball is obviously my thing. My stepfather was was a boxer. And so that's where the brawl came from. So Mm. when I named it, a long, long time ago, that's where the name came from. And so it's almost my username on everything because it's, it's kind of a, pays homage to him. Because yeah. at a young age, we used to get to go to the gym with him. And <laughs> this is a very funny story, but when we'd get to get into the ring, he noticed that I didn't mind getting punched in the face because I would let you swing as hard as you can because I knew I could hit you two or three times for every one time that you hit me. <laughs> it's a weird thing, but he removed us from coming anymore as kids because we started to love it, my brother. And, and so he was like, no, you're not going to do this. This yeah. isn't, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to do that. So anyway, so that's where the name comes. So baseball, um, uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I, anybody out there that wants to, 
wants more or wants to, that I can help or talk to, I'd, I'd be more than happy. I love this Definitely. stuff. There's a lot of, I think New Year's, we should probably, or actually probably in December, create in December to release New Year's, we should do a couple uh, a couple different things because love everything that you had to say. I'm obviously a huge believer um, and I'm just sitting here like nodding and smiling because I'm like, yes, yes, keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but last question of the day, you mentioned that your daughter just got married or is getting married? She just got married. She just got married. Okay, so last question of the day. What's her husband's name now? His name's Andy. Andy. What was your like bit of advice to Andy in taking care of your daughter? Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to give you the, can I, I'm just going to tell you the same thing that I said at, 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 when I gave the father of the bride speech at their their wedding is, 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 is this. He's dated my daughter since she was 14, freshman in high school. It's amazing. They're 24, so they've been together 10 years. Uh, it took him about a year and a half. So let's just say it was two years ago when, when, they, when he proposed. And so when he called me and said, hey, let's go have lunch. You, you available this Thursday? I was like, yeah. And he's, a, I mean, obviously he's been in my life for 10 years. He's, and he was a youngster as well. So I've watched this kid grow and, and, and everything. And he's an amazing young man, like, I can't even say enough great things about who he is as a human and how driven he is. And it's, it's, it's what I love most about him. Um, I mean, the fact that he loves my daughter is fantastic, but as an individual, he's a wonderful, wonderful young man. And I watched him go through high school and he did the explorers. He wanted to be a fireman. He put himself through medic school, paid for it himself, became a medic because uh, he wanted to get into it. He then got in. Didn't want to, you know, for whatever his reasons are, I'll, le- I'll leave that to him. That he, he converted over to to CHP, mm. so he's a CHP officer now. Young into his career as a CHP, they had a motorcycle that was open, and so they asked him if he would want. You normally, normally it goes to the senior guys, right, right. But um, they gave him the opportunity, and he jumped at it. He was like, "Heck yeah!" He's a motorcycle guy, he's a big truck guy, car guy, you know. That day, he called me, and we went and had lunch. We're sitting there <laughs> and he looks over and I could see his lips starts to quiver and tears start. I could see the tears in his eyes. And he said, you know, I love your daughter very much. I said, of course I do. And he said, um, the reason I came here today and it's just you and I is because I want your blessing and I want to ask your permission to ask for her hand in marriage. And now it's two grown men crying, right? CHP, here I am in the suit. I was yeah. coming from the office. You know, the waitress comes over and we're like, no, we're all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get up. And again, because I'm into questions, the question I asked, I, so the question I asked them, they've been together eight years. They've, they had lived together for the last, you know, two years. Um, they had already bought a house together. You know, that's, the, you know, where that comes from. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, and he said, <laughs> Because he had been on the motorcycle at that point for about two weeks. He said the day, that first day when he got to go out with his training officer, to the got on the motorcycle for his first ride, um, and they just they just rode, right? Because that's the thing. The TO does, it takes you around and shows you the lay of the land, but they're not out pulling people over. They're not out. Like, they're just riding. Mm-hmm. And he said, I pulled in that day, coming back, a, you know, eight, 10-hour shift, you know, a couple stops to eat and just different spots. And he said, in that day when I got there and I sat there and I looked and I took my helmet off and I knew at that moment that I had found the thing that I wanted to do for the rest of my life, that I knew that it was the most freeing, liberating, amazing moment that like my whole body just like, a monkey jumped, like everything that was like you're worried about in your life, he said, went away. And the only thing I wanted to do was call her. The only person I wanted to talk to and, the, and I knew at that moment that I wanted to share this with her and share it with her forever. That is a young man or a person finding themselves. They were together. Don't get me wrong. They're, you know what I'm saying? But that was him finding himself, understanding himself, him being whole as a human, as a person, as a man, so that he could accept her as who she is and they could live together. 
that's the most profound statement in the world. Like, there's nothing that you could say to me as her father, is, you know what I mean? Is that that's something that we all need to do. We all need to find ourselves. We all need to, and it's not that you're going to find the thing that makes you happy before you get married. That's not my point. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people how to do this. What I'm saying though is when you can be whole and whatever that is, maybe it's something else that makes you whole. Maybe it's something else that finds that thing for you. That's okay. That's great too. It doesn't have to be a job or a career or anything like that. But when you find that thing, that's what's going to allow you to have better relationships, to have a better world, to create a better world around. Because a lot of times we're looking for happiness in somebody else, that that person is going to make me happy. And they can't. No one else can make you happy. We have to find it within ourselves first. And then it gets that much better. So for him one to recognize that and that's a that's a beautiful thing and all of us out there like when you're having that moment when you're having that thing that whatever happens in your life that's really cool even if you're just having a good day like and sit back for a second and ask yourself like who do I want to call who do I want to share it with and I hope for everybody that it's your girlfriend boyfriend spouse loved one that that's the person you want to share it with because now you know like yeah, man, this is cool. Yeah. Right? This is cool. So that was the moment for me, man, where I was like, and I learned something too, right? Because yeah. that, that's, that's that moment for all of us to, to be self-aware, to be aware, to, to take in what he's saying and go, damn, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is I'll leave you, and I, I just want to add this too there because I have two daughters. I don't have any sons, but earlier in the relationship, uh, I had told when they were moving out together because no one ever taught me about money. No one ever taught me about the flow of money. My parents lived paycheck to paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like the typical, you know, like everybody in the, right. I didn't know how to make money with my, you know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted them to be able to be set up. So my biggest thing for them moving out was like, do you have reserves? What do the reserves look like? What if something happens? And my question to her was, if something happens between the two, like what happens if he gets hurt at work and can't work for a minute? Can you make that payment? Can you, do you have the money? Does your job afford, you know what I mean? Like understand what the reserves look like, understand what your capital looks like so that you're never in that situation. Like I've been there. Yeah. I've been broke. I've been, you know, we lost a lot of money in the recession. Like, and so I want to, I want you to learn from me. Don't, don't make the same mistakes. Let me, and they're not going to listen, right? <laughs> they're they're going to do it their own way, but at least I made the effort. Okay. So the one thing I did say to him back then was, and cause he was saying, wait, it was almost like I was hurting his pride, the man, the ego, right? Sure. I said, no, 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 no. But I don't want you to provide for her. I don't want you to pay her bills. I want her to be empowered to be a strong young woman that she can fend for herself in that regard. I want you two to make a great life together, but your job is not to, your job is not to fund her life. Your job is to protect her with all that you fucking are. Like her dad would protect her, like yeah. protect her. I don't expect you to pay for her and fund her. Like that's something that you might do later in life. That's great. And not that you can't, but that's not your job. Your job is to make sure she's okay and then nobody harms her. Your job is to protect her. That same day when, when he said that to me, before, as we were walking out, he said, I want you to know something. And I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> that's the difference, man, yeah. right? Like, those are those profound moments. And even at the wedding, man, when, when I'm giving her away, right? We come down the aisle and I said, who gives her away? And we do the whole thing. And he comes over and he gives me a hug. And I said, protect her. And he goes, you know, I will. And that was it. <laughs> I love like, that. It's cool shit. Man. Yeah, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that's that's so cool, rad. man. That's thank cool. You thank you, for you so that. much. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah thank man. you for letting me share. Of course. Uh, to the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. If you loved the episode, we would dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us. But subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a ton of incredible people just like Jeremy back on the show. Thanks again, man. Thank you. Thank you.